You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast, a member of the Fans First Sports Network. That's right, a brand new home. We'll talk about that in just a second. I'm your host, Skylar Timmons, and I'm joined here, as always, by my compadre here, Evan Lang. Good morning, afternoon, evening, everybody. How's it going? It is going well. Uh, we got tons to talk about. We've got a shiny new thing to talk about that we're excited about, as well as some Rockies action, just making some moves, and also... Evan, we're going to talk about some WBC, the World Baseball Classic, because that is hot and fresh on everybody's mind as we it gets winding down here pretty soon. Uh, but first and foremost, like we mentioned, uh, technically this podcast, Evan, is no longer an official member of SB Nation anymore. We are our own independent thingy now. Uh, part of the we've talked about this before. That funding was cut. And our podcast was affected along with a ton of others. Uh, but there's a couple others that have risen up and, and decided to to gather all these orphan, I guess, podcasts. These podcasts out on the street that were sitting in the rain. Decided to gather us all together and make a new podcast network called Fans First Sports Network. And, and you're down in the dirt making sure everything's you know, getting up and running with the transition. So I'll just kind of hand it over to you a bit of uh, what is this network and, and and I guess why are we a part of it now? So basically, like you said, Skyler, uh, SB Nation's parent company, Vox Media, unfortunately decided that they were going to um, cut support for podcasts for a lot of their sports websites. And what ended up happening is that um, a bunch of these orphaned podcasts sort of all rounded together with a bunch of different guys. Uh, Brian Salvatore of the uh, Amazing uh, Amazing Avenue and uh, Jeff Hartman, who's part of the Steel Curtain Network uh, and a bunch of other really awesome folks sort of banded together in order to get a, a new network up and running for all of these orphan podcasts with the goal being, especially for the baseball side of things, we wanted to try and get a group for podcasting for one of every MLB team by opening day. And with um, us no longer being able to be the official podcast of Purple Row, uh, we decided to join this network as well. Um, we have our own network that's going to be inside Fans for Sports, and that is going to be Rocky Mountain Rooftop, as you might have heard in the intro. And you might have seen on the post that we put up on Purple Row earlier um, today at time of recording, or rather Monday morning. So basically, um, as part of the stipulations of the cutoff, we are allowed to keep our RSS feeds. So you don't have to resubscribe or retrack everything down. So you might have noticed on your feed that we've been rebranded to Rocky Mountain Rooftop but we are not allowed to use the name uh, Purple Row or really be considered part of that umbrella. So we are still going to be uh, posting episodes up on Purple Row. All of our stuff will still be available on Purple Row. You're not really going to need to go out of your way to find it. Um, We also are going to have a new uh, Twitter feed 
the um that twitter feed is going to be at rocky mtn rooftop um where you can sort of find the all-encompassing stuff for this new podcast network and then the affected by altitude twitter feed at altitude effect is still going to be up and active as well um affected by altitude is still going to be our flagship show here on rocky mountain rooftop um with the goal of having an episode up at least once a week your main hosts are going to be uh skyler and i we will occasionally be joined by other purple row members like um kenneth weber uh, mario Del- mario delgado and um anyone else who really wants to be a part of it another thing that we are looking to focus on as part of the fans uh fans first network is collaboration so we're hoping to have episodes of shows where maybe we get some guests in from one of the other teams so say uh this coming week there's a big series coming up against the giants well we're going to want to try and get someone from the giant show on our show or maybe we'll be on the giant show something like that uh and we are also looking to set up other shows on rocky mountain rooftop we've got some ideas brewing uh pebble report will probably make a return at some point um skyler has had some really fabulous ideas for additional shows uh things like mailbags or a show about metrics and saber metrics advanced statistics um we're really excited because this way is a heck of a lot easier than having to completely start over from scratch or completely strike out on our own. We've got a good backing of other teams and people behind us right now, and we are allowed to carry over our subscribers and our feed so that not only is it easier for us, it's easier for you, the listener, because you don't have to go and find us again. We're still there in your inbox on whatever podcast platform you choose to listen to us on, and we are so grateful that you're sticking with us here. Yeah, I think that's the nice part is just kind of keeping some sort of consistency so it's not just you know, us striking out on our own brand new, new game. You know, this is kind of the new game plus, Evan. This is the new game plus. <laughs> we beat the game, and now we're in the new game plus with our awesome weapons and everything to to go for a, a quick run and everything. Uh, really quick here, I just want to touch on, you know, I guess we should explain why we decided to call kind of our network Rocky Mountain Rooftop. And we spent like a a week or so, the two of us thinking of this name uh, and kind of bouncing ideas back and forth. A lot of joke names in there. Uh, We tried to go with the off-brand Lavender Isle we mentioned. Um, But then I think you mentioned, no, should we do something with Rocky Mountain? And then I kind of thought of, well, what's a... What's a a significant aspect of Coors Field? Because over at Purple Row... That's kind of the significant thing for us, the purple row up there in the stands. I mean, what's another thing that could kind of be all encompassing as an umbrella that, you know, we could have a bunch of Rocky shows and bring people in and everything. And so then I recommended like Rocky Mountain rooftop. And so those two ideas just kind of melded together perfectly, I think. And you know how serendipitous and, and it got an awesome logo designed by one of the, the guys there in the, the FFSN everything making some great logos and everything. And, and I just figure figured that's kind of our, our idea here with Rocky Mountain rooftop is this place for kind of this collaboration. You think of the rooftop, the party deck at Coors field. It's there people to gather together and just kind of mill about, talk to each other interaction. You know? And I figured, Hey, what great way to have a podcast network to then file all these shows under. 
you know, that hopefully we can build out and brand out and, you know, have a lot of fun and grow this thing. And who knows, maybe one day this could just be our full-time job, Evan. And that would be really cool. Um, even, even writing for purple row, I wish was something that we could do as our full-time jobs. Um, at the end of the day, what it really is for me and, and Skylar for you as well is we, this is something that we are really passionate about and it's not something that we wanted to go away just because Fox media decided that they didn't want to, uh, fund podcasts anymore. And that's absolutely their decision to do so. But it's also our decision that we can keep things going and remain dedicated to providing you, the fans, the listeners with what I hoped you consider excellent Colorado Rockies content. And again, uh, thanks to David Stefano for designing our awesome new logo and, um, Skyler, Kenneth, Mario, all of you have been really great in sort of helping get Rocky Mountain Rooftop off the ground. And I am just really excited that we're able to keep pushing forward with this. Yeah. And I think the fun part is having more freedom now. It just kind of feels like, hey, we can be encouraged. We can do as much as we want now. You know, we're not kind of limited to to one or two things, but we're in charge of this ourselves right now. And a special thanks out to our editor-in-chief over at at Purple Row, Sam Bradfield, who has always been supportive of us with the podcast and and having us on. And then, no, just giving us the reins and saying, here you go. No, and we we appreciate her and all her support and everything. It's just fun now to venture out kind of, we'll still be writing at Purple Row. We're still there. This is just kind of like the the side independent project now. Yeah, Uh, and Sam's been absolutely wonderful through this whole process. Everybody over at Purple Row has been really, really great and supportive about this this new venture of ours. And we are so happy to have their support. Um, A big thing that I want to add is things are very much sort of under construction still. Mm -hmm. We're still figuring stuff, some stuff out, like where the uh, the YouTube versions of the show are going to be posted. They will still absolutely be posted. So you can uh, either listen or you can watch the video version of the podcast. Trying to get some of the other social media stuff set up, um, you know, unfortunately having to start from scratch on the Twitter feed for Rocky Mountain Rooftop. So if you want to go ahead and give us a follow, that'd be awesome. Um, tell your friends, tell folks who are interested in our podcast. And most of all, just sort of trying to find a rhythm. We'll we'll test out some new shows. We'll we'll do some interesting new things. And, and hopefully we'll continue to find awesome new ways to provide you guys with content. Yeah, I'm always throwing out ideas. I've always got dumb ones come out, but hopefully we can all have a lot of fun and and you know, continue to build up the community, Rockies community of fans, you know, and, and just have some fun together, beating up on the Rockies together because, man, they are frustrating. <laughs> but we love them still, so that's why we do this. <laughs> and speaking of frustrating, why does everybody have back issues, Evan? We had this happened last year, too, where at the beginning of the season, after like that first road trip, everyone had a bad back. And now here at the beginning of the season, Chris Bryant, Charlie Blackman, CJ Crone, multiple other players have all come down with what I like to call being in your 30s. But since they're professional athletes, that's uh, it's a little bit different. 
Yeah, it's because was it last year they were blaming some of the hotel beds that they they stayed at, <laughs> so that kind of ruined some people's backs. And then at least now it's in spring training. But you have to ask: Are are these guys sleeping on like cardboard boxes on the floor, or like what? Now I can understand that getting into seasonal shape and all the swings and reps that they do, that's going to tweak your back. And so a little bit of back stiffness is is understandable. It just gets funny when it's day after day, somebody's dealing with a back issue. And now do these guys need to start doing some yoga? <laughs> no, do some Hartford Yard Goat yoga? Get Denver mattress sponsorship, something? And we got lucky with Chris Bryant because after he was sidelined with back issues for a large portion of last year, um, he was back and playing and doing well after about two days sitting but uh, for Chuck and for CJ, they've been down a couple games now, and we don't really have an expected timeline of when they're going to come back. But it is really weird because, like I said, we had the same issue last year, bunch of guys with back issues. And now kicking off spring training, we're having guys with back issues. Yeah, like the, the sore back, the, the tightness, back spasms. Uh, hopefully you can help figure that out better to happen now in spring training somewhat more than like those first couple of weeks into the season, get their backs into shape. But man, that's just weird. I don't even, how do you even help that or like help prevent that? I mean, I'm not exactly a, a physical specimen here. I wouldn't call myself being in peak <laughs> physical shape. Sometimes when you're over a certain age, you're just going to wake up with a stiff or sore back. Um, but there's got to be some kind of you know stretching or yoga or whatever that you can do to yeah. uh, try and keep your back in good shape. And it's definitely better that this is happening in spring training. But what's really unfortunate about it is uh, for guys like Chuck, who are he's very much a creature of habit where he really does rely on spring training to find his timing and his swing and get ready to go. Having him miss uh, miss reps is is not not ideal yeah but hopefully it is because with swinging so many bats especially with the you know the the position players the hitters all that torque and everything a lot of trunk twisting no it's just tweaking those backs every once in a while you get a bad swing or something one too many swings and it's going to tweak something you're going to be sore for a couple days but hopefully the medical staff training staff everybody can get them squared away Get them nice and healthy so the backs aren't a problem throughout the rest of the season. But you, you have to worry, with, especially with Chris Bryant. That's got to be in the back of your mind of that's what sidelined him for most of the season in his first year. Now, is this going to be a repeat of that? Though at least, oh man, at least they didn't have what happened to poor Sean Bouchard, who no. was yeah. looking good in spring so far, had a fabulous end of the season last year. And he left a spring training game just after swinging the bat. And it comes away that on the swing, he ruptured his bicep and is going to miss most, if not all of the season. Yeah. So it's, and it was on that, not, not the throwing arm. So he was hopeful, like, man, I hope it's not anything. And then just gets that terrible news where it's basically the anchor arms just blowing up <laughs> like in SpongeBob. And man, you got to imagine that's incredibly painful ruptured bicep uh, and that it's going to keep him out for a while. He's already undergone underground surgery, successful surgery, but now it's just the recovery time and he's going to be out for a long while. 
which is disappointing because this comes after losing Brendan Rodgers to a shoulder injury that's going to keep him out probably for the all of the year. And then you've got all these back problems mounting up. You lose Lucas Gilbreth to a Tommy John surgery. Now, those were three key guys that you figure were going to factor in pretty well in 2023. Sean Bouchard was going to probably get some plenty of action out in left field this season. But now that's off the table, and it leaves the team reeling to figure out, okay, how are we going to plug left field now? And we'll get into that in just a second. But Sean Bouchard is just that's just a gut punch. Poor guy. It's such a great showing at the end of last season. Where he could have, with how spring has been looking so far for some of the other younger guys, he could have ran away with that starting left field position with uh Chris Bryant moving mostly to right and Jonathan Daza in center, that left um left field fairly open for somebody to claim with Randall Gritchick injured. And Bouchard really could have just ran away with that. Mm-hmm. And and now we've got to just see how he can recover from this injury if he even comes back this year at all. Yeah, because he was kind of going to slot in as Connor Joe 2.0. He was this year's Connor Joe. Same guy, play you know, first base, left field. You know, can DH and, and provides, a lot of, provides a lot of that depth that way. But now you lose him, you lose another... No, a promising guy who's going to finally get it, you know, catch a break. And now he's injured and sidelined for this season. So that just sucks, you know, for Sean Bouchard and the Rockies, because then it muddies the water even more. Because in the wake of this, no, earlier this Sunday morning, before we record, because apparently the Rockies have started doing things on the weekend before we record, (laughs) we've learned our lesson. (laughs) But. They go out and they sign Jerickson Profar, the 30-year-old switch hitter who most recently spent the last three seasons with the San Diego Padres, opted out of a $7.5 million deal or, or so with the with the Padres. And it's reported that he's signing with the Rockies for about a $7.75 million with incentives up to a million dollars. That's like 400 plate appearances or something like that. To join the Rockies and... Looks like the plan is for him to primarily play left field and maybe be the leadoff hitter. Uh, and we just saw him in the WBC with you know, with the Netherlands playing for Bam Bam Mullins, our hitting coach. Uh, but well, you're you've had some time to to kind of mull this over most of the day uh, all morning, Evan. But where are you at here on this signing with Jerks and Profar? So when the news first hit, I really was fairly unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, because (laughs) I really feel like this is, you got to let the kids play, but in talking with, um, with you and with other folks on the, in our group, uh, Renee Deckert, especially a lot of the kids aren't ready. Um, Mm -hmm. just judging by how they've had for their spring so far where, um, Nolan Jones, who we, we traded for this off season and primarily can play a lot of left field is really not having a good spring. He leads the entire club in strikeouts this spring at 19. He's only hitting 175, 244, 225. No home runs, no triples, just two extra base hits, both doubles. And the list goes on from there. Michael Tolia 
is is hitting better than Nolan Jones, but has 18 strikeouts. Uh, mm-hmm. Brenton Doyle has already been optioned down to AAA Albuquerque. Um, was actually hitting fairly well this spring, but with how little time he had at AAA Albuquerque, they want a little more seasoning on him. It's the same with Zach Veen, where Zach Veen is having a pretty good spring and a lot to be excited about, but he is so young and has such little seasoning on him that the Rockies don't want to rush him up to the big league level. Mm-hmm. So looking at all of that, Yerickson Profar is a pretty good signing for uh, a solid defensive left fielder. He's not going to knock you out of the park here, um, but he had uh, two total DRS in left field last year with the Padres in over 1,200 innings. He he plays the position well. And he hit fairly well last year, too. He had one of his better career seasons last year mm-hmm. um, where he was worth a total of 3.1 RWAR uh, per baseball reference, slashing 243, 331, 391. Uh, hits a lot of doubles. He hit 36 doubles last year, but has some solid pop in his bat. He had 15 home runs. He's he's a good player, and it's nice to see that he's rebounded because he was originally this top, top prospect with the Texas Rangers organization and just really didn't pan out in terms of his prospect pedigree, but with the Padres has been uh, a very good contributor. And it sounds like a lot of other teams were looking at Eurixson Profar this off season, but maybe the money was a little bit too high for what he was asking for. What it sounds like is while he was spending time, with the uh in the world baseball classic with the kingdom of the netherlands team with bam bam millens that maybe uh bam bam convinced him to take a little bit less money and come here for the rockies mm-hmm. and where this tra- where this signing would really really work out is if he is doing well and the rockies trade him at the deadline for pieces to a contending team cuz we know the rockies aren't going to compete this year that's just that's just how it is and the Rockies, if they show that they are willing to send away uh, contributing veterans like this once the kids are ready, then that would be a huge step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, and I can understand people being mad about the Rockies. Oh, an uncontending team bringing in another veteran oh, that's taking time away from young guys that need at bats. And like, like you mentioned, some of these guys just they're just not quite ready yet. And when I think of rebuilding or let the kids play, you want them to be in a position to succeed. And you don't want like you know, Nolan Jones, Michael Tolia, they're striking out a ton just in spring training against a lot of their peers that they would face in the minor leagues. They're still need some time to cook. And there's just not a natural slot in left field, say Elirius Montero. He's ready, and the Rockies notice that, and they're committed to that finally. Of, okay, Rodgers gets injured. We're going to move McMahon to second. Montero, you're going to play third. That's your primary spot. We're going to bring in Mike Moustakis to kind of back you up and be a nice bench spot, which good on Mike Moustakis. He's having a good spring so far in his short bit of time. And that's a natural natural move of Montero. You play third. Ezekiel Tovar, you're our shortstop, and we have a good history with shortstops. We're going to slot you there. This is your spot now. We're going to bring in guys like Harold Castro. Alan Trejo is going to be there to back you up maybe. But those are your spots. Whereas in that outfield, we're not quite ready yet. 
And and when I think of a rebuilding team, there's two routes you can go of you just throw all your young guys out there and start their time clocks and see what you got. Or you bring in placeholder veterans that are just trying to snag on somewhere while you wait for those prospects to, to wait for the ding on the microwave for them to come out. And I think that's what the Rockies are doing. We've seen them point to like 2024 is kind of like their window of contention they're looking at right now for their next wave of guys. And that's what these kind of moves are looking like with Profar. What do you have to lose? Yes, he's a little pricey. I'm not happy about that price. But he he brings good bat-to-ball skills. He walks. You know, he he doesn't strike out as much. He can run into you know, double-digit home runs. I think he, what, he had 15 or so last year with the Padres. He's had two 20 home run seasons. So I, I the more you think about it, it it's a sense, move that makes sense. You may not be happy about it, but if the goal is to win as many games as you can, I think that's the biggest move of all. The Rockies are trying to avoid losing 100 games is what some of these moves look like. Is If you look at it in that suspect, the Rockies are terrified of losing 100 games. That's why they don't do a rebuild like so many fans and people on the internet would want them to do. Yeah, and I, I like what you said, how the Rockies have made it clear that they think Tovar and Montero are ready to rock and roll here. Mm -hmm. And if you look at how they're doing this spring, they're showing that they're ready. So the averages are kind of met. Montero's hitting 268 and Tovar is hitting 265. Respectable for rookies. Exactly. But the big thing for both of them is that they both have under 10 strikeouts and they've both drawn a couple walks. Something mm -hmm. that Alaris Montero has really been working on um, in the offseason in the Dominican Winter Leagues and in the Minor Leagues is cutting down on that strikeout rate. And he's done a really good job at that. And it's the same with Tovar, where they are seeing pitching well from multiple levels. You can trust them to start. And originally, when the Rockies signed Mike Moustakis, I was really worried about them supplanting Montero. But they've continued to give Montero the lion's share of reps at third base, mm -hmm. which makes me feel a lot better about that. And it really looks like for Mike Moustakis is that he's the lefty insurance policy. He is looking really good and really healthy this spring training. He is uh, 9 for 18 in plate appearances with a home run and three doubles. So he's hitting 500, 500, 833 with an OPS of 1.333. Mm -hmm. He looks healthy, which he hasn't been in a couple years with Cincinnati and he can slot in, in multiple places. So if Montero needs a rest day, that's what Mustakis is for. If CJ Crone needs a rest day, Mustakis can play first base. Mm -hmm. He can play DH. And he also represents the same thing with Profar of you can, if he's contributing, sell him at the deadline for additional pieces. Mm -hmm. And if the Rockies are able to do that with Moustakis, with Profar, with heck, even guys like CJ Crone and Randall Grichik, that would be a really good thing to see. Yeah. And I like verse, versatility seems to be the name of the game this spring with some of these guys. Moustakis, you just named, can play those two corner infield positions. Um, Harold Castro, who's having a really good spring, you know, he would have been my. Probably my like assumption that, oh, Harold Castro is probably going to start in left field every day. But now they get Pro Profar, who has a little bit better bat, 
know, can get a little bit more pop out of him. And Castro slots into this, that super utility who can play anywhere and just get some base knocks when you need him. Castro can play every position. Profar can play not as well anymore, but both middle infield. He's played first base, can play left field. And the Rockies are going to you know, give better veterans more days off earlier in the season. So there's just going to kind of be this rotation of guys throughout the roster. And who knows, maybe maybe he pays off if he puts up you know, 15 home runs. Uh, we'll take 12 home runs or something. Uh, I think he, there's some projections saying no about a, about a Baker's dozen home runs or so. Yep, I'll take over 10 that, and consider that a success. Yeah, and and he's a good bat to ball. Those gaps at Coors Field. Uh, Evan, you got your computer. What is Profar hitting at Coors Field? You can look that up here real quick. But yeah, let's find out. But it, there's this whole thing. Feel bad for Cole Tucker. I think he's kind of the odd man out now of heading down to AAA Albuquerque if he decides to stay with the team. But then this raises this question of what do we do with Randall Gritchick, who had that surgery with you know, the hernia. He's he's starting to do full workouts now, and but from what it sounds like, he'll be back about mid-April. What do we do with Randall Gritchick when he comes back? That's the the question I have in about a month's time. I mean, uh, ideally, trade him. But, but nobody's I don't know if anybody's gonna want him coming right off that surgery. Yeah. That's the it's, problem. It's tough. The bilateral sports hernia is something that he's dealt with earlier in his career and it sort of popped back up this offseason. Honestly, it would have been nice if the Rockies had had dealt Grichik last season or during this offseason before that mm-hmm. popped up when he had um about as much value as we were probably going to get out of him because now he's going to need to play to recoup value. He's a free agent at the end of the season. Honestly, my guess is that Gritchick might be released at some point this year. Maybe. Um, yeah. Depending on just how folks are playing. Uh, but to get back to it, Yorks and Profar in 65 plate appearances at Coors Field throughout his career, it has a uh, line of 250, 281, 333 with uh, one home run and two doubles, three walks, 14 strikeouts, three RBI, and a stolen base. So not like knocking your socks off, but a respectable <laughs> respectable bit of hitting for you know 65 plate appearances at Coors Field. I think he'll do just fine. He has more home runs at Coors Field than Chris Bryant and Mike Moustakis combined. <laughs> How do you like that stat? <laughs> oh, that's brutal. But the last thing I'll say here um, is uh, positional versatility, like you said, is going to be the name of the game. And how I am projecting the opening day lineup right now is that for the bench, three of the four guys are multi-position folks where Mm -hmm. Brian Serve and the backup catcher only plays catcher. But my my thoughts on what the bench is going to look like is it's going to be Mike Moustakis, first, third DH, Alan Trejo, third, second, short, and Harold Castro, outfield, infield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Harold Castro plays anywhere and everywhere except he, for catcher. I'm, I'm sure he can play catcher if we need him to. He's even pitched. Yeah, uh, coming in late in the game, we'll need him. Cole Tucker, though, side note. Cole Tucker wants to pitch. That's on his baseball bucket list. <laughs> and he has come to the right team to do it. 
<laughs> if he's on the roster at some point this season. He's got a good arm. Maybe he should just convert. Plenty of yeah. um plenty of pitchers are are former infielders. If you remember Michael Givens, he was originally a shortstop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like just telling Cole, the bat's not working. Just <laughs> just start pitching, dude. You might have some more life. Inverse Charlie Blackman, who was originally a pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> it can work. But so yeah, we'll go ahead and wrap it up on this half year. But that's kind of the thing. Yerkson Profar. It'll be interesting to see if he can lead off and, and be a good contributor. Might turn into a good move, depending on, on the results of it and what can come out of it. Uh, but as always, I think you and I are always we're always going to root for guys that put on a purple uniform. We're going to root for him to do well for the team. Absolutely. And I I've always liked Yerkson Profar. I just I I wasn't sure if I would want him to be on this specific team, mm-hmm. but with how things have shaken out, I am I don't know if it's the right move, but it is a move that makes sense. The Rockies pick up free agents like you go to your grandma's house and look in her candy drawer and the candy has been there since 2015. So it would have been good back then, <laughs> but uh, it's not as good now, but you're desperate and you're a little kid and you want some candy. So you'll, you'll take it and take your chance. The and on I, that note, the way I put it is the Rockies fall in love with guys, but they do it in a really weird way. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, on that note, we'll go ahead and take our quick break here uh, for the audio listeners. And when we come back, we're talking WBC So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back here to Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, After talking about Rockies baseball, for once we're going to talk about something that's adjacent to Rockies baseball, but has something much larger to it of the World Baseball Classic, which is winding up here in the next couple of days. Uh, they're in the semifinals right now. The day that we're recording is Team USA versus Team Cuba. Uh, not since 1962 has there been such anticipation about an interaction between these two. And then... On Monday, it'll be Team Mexico versus Team Japan, which that's an exciting game. Uh, But I think Japan has that one in the bag. Uh, That are going to be a tough one. And then the finals will be whenever after that, like Tuesday or Wednesday, probably. I believe Uh, it's uh, Tuesday. Yeah. So something like that. They're winding up, winding down here. Uh, But first and foremost, Evan, I guess at the top of our minds, uh, how about that Team USA win over Team Venezuela in their quarterfinal on Saturday? Oh, that was such a good game. It was really crazy because it started off with Team USA surging to a three-run lead in the first inning, and it felt like, uh-oh, this game's going to be a little bit lopsided. And then uh, Venezuela regained some ground, and there was a, a good little bit of back and forth until the fifth inning. And in the fifth inning is when, unfortunately, things did not go so well for uh, Rockies closer Daniel Bard, who failed to record a single out um, and ended up loading the bases for 
Venezuela to take the lead. It was it was not a good outing for Daniel Bard, and I will defend him a lot because prior to the World Baseball Classic, he had only thrown three innings and looked okay, but was still trying to find his his stuff for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, he played in the first game of the tournament, like uh, like Kyle Freeland did, and only had total of what two innings the entire tournament so far up to last night. Well, yeah, and... he pitched against Team Mexico and got beat up, and then had a good outing against uh, Canada. I think it was Canada, something but... like that. And then this rough outing against Venezuela. So two bad, one good. But the big thing about um, last night for Bard is that the lack of work really shows because Bard is one of those guys who's who's got to work up to finding his release points and finding his velocity. So because he's pitched so little, he can't pump up his velocity. He was maxing out at maybe around 96 yesterday, which we know that he can hit like 101 when he's got his full stuff on. But the big thing was his release points. Uh, and Skyler, you and I were talking about this yesterday during the game, where on his sinker, he was releasing really early and the ball was rolling over his fingers. And that was giving it some 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 hard cut to the right. And then on his slurve and his slider, he was releasing really late. And so he really didn't have any effective control. And unfortunately, that led to a messy inning that was, you know, encapsulated by him hitting Astros second baseman Jose Altuve that ended and up breaking, breaking his Altuve's thumb. thumb. Yeah. So some good came out of it. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. That's That sucks for Altuve, even though he is a cheater. Uh, but it, yeah, it, that was a rough outing. And like we said, there was just everything was tailing on him. And he had some wicked movement on sinkers. You know, everything was just getting yanked all over the place. And so rough outing for Bard. No, and it could be just the situation pitching in that environment. No, there's a playoff setting. No, there's no chance that people jump in the gun and saying that he has the yips again and stuff. Like it's just amped up in March in a you know, a really competitive spring training game. Uh, but he'll be fine once he gets back and gets some regular work and kind of calms things down. I just think getting amped up, you knowing that environment in the WBC, a super loud crowd. And everything probably just got to him. And that's kind of how it's been here in the WBC. Uh, he, he's just rusty. Yeah. Hasn't gotten his, his regular action. But like, he'll be and, fine once he gets back. And Trey Turner said that, and this is a guy who's won world championships, this was the loudest environment he's ever played in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we'll, t- we'll touch on that in just a second. We'll round up on our Rockies homies here at the WBC. Uh, but the Trey Turner, speaking of hero of that game, hitting a grand slam in the eighth inning, man, that was exciting. Um, One of, and it it was a good at bat, and then he hit it, and you could tell it was gone. mm -hmm. Grand slam in the World Baseball Classic for Team USA, and uh, really helped Daniel Bard, who was no longer on the hook for the loss. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, He can put that on the back burner a little bit. So Hopefully Daniel Bard bought him dinner or something. Um, yeah, he owes, uh, here, he so. owes Trey a nice steak dinner. Mm-hmm. Which is <laughs> really helpful. Uh, but ooh, I didn't freeze on you. Uh, but kind of moving around, Bard, he's kind of had a rough WBC. Uh, Kyle Freeland, 
Unfortunately, he's only pitched once, uh, three inning in the very first game a week ago, uh, a little bit more than a week ago, uh, against Great Britain. Had three solid innings, gave up one run, and we haven't seen him since. And you no, know, it's just, you know, as Rockies fans, we want to see him getting work, getting action in the WBC. But it's also kind of tough with you know, just the games that are played and the number of guys you have and then all the relievers. You don't want to do the piggyback, but then you're trying to be competitive. I don't envy Mark DeRosa in trying to figure out how to manage that, with especially with starting pitchers. But it'd be nice to see him get some action against Cuba or if they make it to the finals, play play in the finals. Uh, but I think Daniel Allen Tuck or someone had a really good article about Freeland and just that experience that he's getting and how he's able to just absorb some knowledge, you know, hanging out with Adam Wainwright, Andy Pettit, you know, all these other you know, big leaguers that he has a, he doesn't normally have a chance to just sit down and talk to and everything. But so I'm sure he's getting a lot of good out of it, but it would be nice to see him get some more game action for sure. Yeah, it was really nice to watch him to watch him play in the first game of the classic for team USA. And I've been sitting here going, let Kyle pitch, please let him pitch. Mm-hmm. I was, I was really, really hoping that maybe uh, Mark DeRosa would let uh, Kyle have the ball for the start in tonight's game against team Cuba. Uh, but he's giving the ball to Adam Wainwright to start, which I mean, Wayno's a great, great guy for Kyle to be learning from. Was one of the nastiest curveballs in the business, but I just want—I want to see my man pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing, and hopefully he does. But hopefully he's getting a lot of good out of this experience that he can take into the season, because you know he, he mentioned like this was the most the most electric, exciting time on a mound for him since the 2018 Wild Card, and you could see it—he'd strike somebody out and he's strutting off the mound. No, that's the Kyle Freeland that we want. That's Kyle Freeland that we love. And if he can bring that energy back to the Rockies, that's going to go a long way in helping, I think, him personally for the season. He looked looked good in that red, white, and blue, too. Three innings pitched, two hits, only one earned run with three strikeouts. I'll call that a solid outing. Yeah, not too shabby. Not too shabby. So that's land, land of the free, home of the K, baby. Indeed, it is. You can't spell America without free land. <laughs> I also love people pointing out that Mark DeRosa literally sent a guy whose name is Freeland out to face the British. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but moving right along, that's our homies with Team USA, which I'm all Team USA. That's the one time you can root for guys that you normally hate, like Mookie Betts. Like when we play him, I want him to. T- strike out everyone but rooting for him in the wbc that's always fun stuff oh yeah uh, but moving right along kind of round up some of our homies that were in the wbc we had elias diaz with columbia uh he did get one at bat against team usa in pool play to move that they knocked out columbia to move on but he had a decent little outing with columbia uh he now just falls in right under the the right under the gun with Profar out in the Netherlands, the Netherlands. Uh, and then Rocky's, I guess, prospect farmhand, Michael Peterson was with Great Britain. And there's a cool article from, was it Manny Rondawa talking about uh, him punching out 
uh, Nolan Arenado with the high, high heat. So that's cool. Then one of those lesser knowns, but good for him to get some of that action for Great Britain. I want to touch on that. How cool for them. They got a historic win. They've qualified for the next WBC and trying to build a program for the, for Great Britain and everything. Just a cool story and, and everything all around Great Britain. Yeah. A big thing that I've really, really liked about this tournament is some of these teams came into it, you know, they're not expecting to win mm-hmm. like um, like Great Britain or my boys, the Czech Republic. The goal is to build the the baseball programs in their country to mm-hmm. increase the popularity of baseball in their countries and so that they, they can win in the future and they've done such a good job at it czech republic has been a, was electric to watch during this tournament and the camaraderie that they've developed with team japan and mm-hmm. the amount of international attention that they got was incredible mm-hmm. and that's what makes tournaments like this great of yeah you've got your powerhouses like uh dominican republic and puerto rico usa japan but then you've got teams like the like the czech republic and great britain that were fun to watch despite i don't want to say it not really standing much of a chance to win the tournament Mm -hmm. but both of them now automatically qualify for next year and that's so so cool and it's been so cool to to watch guys who normally wear Rockies uniforms go out and and play for their countries. Elias Diaz representing um, Team Colombia had an RBI double that was really crucial in their win against Team Mexico, mm-hmm. where uh, Colombia upset Mexico, and Elias Diaz was a big part of that. Yeah. Where you have um, Jolice Chassin, who's pitched for Team Venezuela and been pretty solid despite retiring from Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. What great irony would it have been if Elise Chassin had come in and given up the Grand Slam? I was thinking about that like, man, how ironic and just unfortunate that would be for just Rockies fans. <laughs> See, that would have made me sad, though. I know. So ironic, though. But unfortunately, it wasn't Elise Chassin. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned some of those old friends. You should see was with Venezuela. Um, Joshua Fuente's cousin plays for Team USA <laughs> at third base. And Adam Adovino with that wicked slider. Man, I miss him. Uh, also into the bullpen with Team USA. And Ryan Castellani uh, with Team Italy had some action there. Uh, old friends around league. And man, I tell you, we've, I've mentioned this before. Man, it just makes me sad watching Arenado make plays. Just because I, I miss seeing that all the time. Yeah. And it's nice get, to be able to root for him, though, yeah. in the World Baseball Classic. Yeah. Because I will never root for the Cardinals in a million exactly. years. But yeah. now I can go, yeah, Nato. And what's been really cool also is a lot of the, um, a lot of teams have former Rockies in their coaching staffs where, mm-hmm. Um, or former or current Rockies uh, coaches where Team team Netherlands, where Yerickson Profar was playing, their manager is Hensley Bam Bam Mullins, our current hitting coach. The bench coach for Team Mexico, on which Alan Trejo is playing, is Vinny Castilla. The first base coach for Team Canada was Larry Walker. Mm-hmm. Just it's It's so cool to see all of these Rockies represented on on such a large scale. And I, it's such a bummer that Herman Marquez was not able to go play for team Venezuela because mm-hmm. I would have loved to either see him last night or if Venezuela had advanced 
there was a chance that he could have gotten to pitch in the finals there, but mm-hmm. or semifinals rather. But unfortunately, he was not able to uh, join early on. And then with Venezuela being eliminated, now his chance to to represent his country is is gone for this year, which is which is sad because I know that that is such a big deal for so many of these guys. Yeah. No. And and speaking of this wonderful opportunity, no, kind of burying the lead, but Alan Trejo with Team Mexico, a team Mexico, a Mexico team that's been doing really good. Oh, they took down the U.S. You now in very heartily fashion, uh, but it's good to see Alan Trejo kind of. He's been the starting shortstop for them. He's contributed some good hits, you no, know, but not nothing dazzling. But getting a little bit more national attention his, with his defense at shortstop. You no, know, and we talked about this you know, on our Slack channel. I wrote an article about it uh, on Purple Row about it of if that helped out his trade value at all, or just giving him some more recognition that the Rockies should take note of. And you know, maybe teams come calling and you pick up that phone and answer and give him an opportunity somewhere else. If you can get a pitcher or something, but it, awesome opportunity for Alan Trejo with team Mexico to reach the semifinals in the world baseball classic facing Japan. That's a tall order facing Shohei Otani <laughs> and everybody else they have over there. Like Otani, who just casually pumped up his fastball to 102 miles per hour yeah. the other day. Throws the fastest pitch of his career <laughs> in a meaningless exhibition game. Meaningless. <laughs> and Japan legend Lars Newtbar. Uh, it's just. They it's love cool him over there. Yeah. <laughs> it's because they've actually seen him play. I don't know if the Cardinals fans have ever seen him play. But man, it's it's just cool to see some of these Rockies getting those experiences. You know, with Alan Trejo with Mexico, I think that's probably one of my favorite things pertaining to the Rockies and the WBC right now is just Trejo getting a chance with Team Mexico you know, and having the time of his life there and helping him out is really cool. It's nice because not only is he he's playing for Team Mexico. But he's also has the familiarity of one of his coaches is one of his coaches from here in the Rockies. And then, like uh-huh. you said, he is getting some recognition where what was it? John Morosi, I think, who pointed out how good his arm has been during this tournament. He's playing good defense at shortstop. Mm-hmm. And like uh, I was free at the main guy. I just think of Buck Martinez, who just sounds like an old prospector. Wario. Just, but there's a guy that should be playing every day. And it's it's a shame because I don't think Trejo's gonna get the opportunity to play every day here in Colorado. And no. I I love Alan Trejo, but if he can boost his his value playing in this tournament and the Rockies can get some value for trading him, and in return, Trejo gets an opportunity to be an everyday player, which he absolutely deserves then I think that's some good coming out of him playing in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Because I also think like a team owes it to a player. If you draft them and give them all these opportunities and then they just hit a stopping point, you know, I feel like you owe it to these players to give them an opportunity somewhere else. You know, trade them out of the division, trade them out of the league, send them to the American League, something but give him an opportunity somewhere else because he's earned that and you owe that to him for bringing him into professional sports. And 
No, and he's proven himself, and he's proving himself, and you're still blocking him in some way, shape, or form, then that's that's on them. But Trejo has done a lot. It's not necessarily entirely the organization's fault. A big issue is that pretty much all of his major positions are spoken for, Mm -hmm. where Brendan Rodgers had such a good year last year that before he got injured, you weren't going to move him away from second base unless you traded Rodgers. And then with Rodgers getting hurt, McMahon is not a guy that you want to take out of your everyday lineup and plays very good second base defense. So you slide him over to second base. Shortstop, they've made very clear, is Ezekiel Tovar's job as one of the organization's top prospects. And unfortunately, unless Trejo played some truly astonishing baseball, there was not a whole lot he could do to keep that from happening. Mm-hmm. The, the Rockies and, and baseball media are incredibly high on Tovar. And that leaves third base, which a relatively high-ranked Rockies prospect in Alaris Montero is is staking his claim to this year and so unfortunately trejo is a is a is a very good infield player but there's just not a spot for him and i really wish there was because he's got nothing left that he needs to prove at the minor league level he's been great with triple a albuquerque he had a really good year last year in limited playing time with the rockies he's a big league ready player and i really as much as it would pain me to see him not in a Rockies uniform, because I love the guy so much, he deserves an opportunity to go try and be an everyday player somewhere else, somewhere that needs a second baseman or a shortstop or a third baseman. Mm -hmm. And Trejo has proven when he's given, he's one of those guys, it's a really special type of player that can just be a bench guy and in irregular playing time can produce. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas Trejo is one of those guys that he needs everyday reps, no extended reps, three, four at bats a game to really establish his, his his value and everything. And you can look at that in his stats and everything. In 2021, when he struggled after getting called up, it was because he was getting one at bat as a pinch hitter every couple of days. And but then in 2022, when he gets extended playing time in April and September, he does really well because he's getting daily reps and everything bigger sample sample size. So we'll see if they, Hey, if he hits a grand slam against Japan, maybe their phone starts ringing. And we've seen, we've seen cool stuff like that happen in this tournament. Who's the pitcher for team Nicaragua, who after having an outstanding game immediately got signed by the Detroit, the Detroit Tigers. There's another kid with Cuba that got signed. I think out of Cuba. Like this is team. this is such a great opportunity for international players to showcase their stuff, mm-hmm. whether it's for the professional league in Japan or Korea or or the United States here in the MLB. This is an opportunity to showcase their stuff, and that's what Trejo's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. But best of luck to Alan Trejo going up against Team Japan on Monday, the day you're hearing this podcast, Monday night. Uh, also, quick side note while we're recording, uh, Montero and Tolia hit back-to-back home runs. Ooh, in the uh, was that the Royals game or the Guardians game? They are playing the Royals, where it's, Marquez is pitching. It's a split squad Sunday. So Carl Kaufman is leading squad one against Cleveland, and um, Herman is leading squad two against the Royals, neither of which are televised. Yeah, 
and soon none of them will be. Um, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Last thing, uh, this was the big hullabaloo about the World Baseball Classic, though, from the weekend, uh, was after Edwin Diaz. He closed out the game for Puerto Rico against the Dominican Republic, and in the celebration, uh, hurts his knee in the celebration and requires season-ending surgery. Just this absolute freak accident, injury, really unfortunate. But all of a sudden, people come crawling out of the woodworks that you can tell don't really pay attention to baseball at all. Basically crying for MLB and just the World Baseball Classic in general to be disbanded, be done away with, because these are useless, meaningless games that nobody cares about. And we all know that's a bunch of hooey, don't we, Evan? It's when I see people who are going, oh, these are meaningless, pointless games and nobody cares about them. These are people who have clearly not watched any of the World Baseball Classic, Mm -hmm. which has been such a blast. I'm having such a wonderful time watching this tournament. It really is the World Cup of Baseball where you... It's it's fun. You're seeing a bunch of guys that you've never seen before, teams you wouldn't expect to watch, and it's been fantastic. And you get it is yes, it is it is really really unfortunate that Edwin Diaz tore his patellar tendon celebrating on the mound. But freak injuries like that happen all the time in every sport mm-hmm. where even even just the celebrating injury, you think of like Martine Gramatica in the NFL. Or in spring training, we've already had multiple freak season-ending injuries. Brendan Rogers dislocated and damaged his shoulder that required season-ending surgery on what is a pretty routine play for him. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about earlier, Sean Bouchard just swinging the bat ruptured his biceps we had gavin lux of the dodgers he tore his acl but no one's coming out of the woodworks going cancel spring training these are meaningless games anyway because that's a ludicrous proposition Mm -hmm. and you had guys like keith olberman who i don't want to repeat what he said just because it was really gross and uncalled for and you need to look at Maybe as American fans and and players from the United States, we are spoiled because we have our Major League Baseball. And technically, you can say that our American players are representing their country every day. We play the American National Anthem at the beginning of every baseball game played in the United States for Major League Baseball and O Canada for the Blue Jays. But they're not exactly coming out and playing the Venezuelan National Anthem despite the fact that a huge portion of players are from Venezuela or the same for the Dominican Republic, these are guys who this is their opportunity to represent their country, to be watched by their countrymen back home. The statistics for the World Baseball Classic viewing in Japan has been insane, where the last game Japan played, something like 54% of all Japanese households were tuned into that game at some point. Mm-hmm. That's insane. And, and you can tell the players are taking this very seriously. This is not just a meaningless exhibition for them. This is a chance to represent their home country, something that they don't 
often get to do. And so many, so many players have come out and said, uh, Francisco Lindor being one of them, this, these games mean as much to us as like the playoffs. Yeah. I think it was, somebody shared it on Instagram or something. It was asking a bunch of the Puerto Rican or Dominican Republic players, now, which would you rather play in the world baseball classic or world or like win the world baseball classic or win the world series? Surprising number of them are saying world baseball classic. And, you know, well, I like what you mentioned here in the U S you know, we're just kind of close-minded, put the blockers on. We just look at terms in our thing. But if you get your head out of your certain, out of some areas and kind of look at the broader picture, this game means way more to other people than it does probably to most people in the U S no, you look down in the Dominican Republic, the Venezuela, the Puerto Ricans, no team Mexico, how much the game of baseball means to them and, and everything, what it means to them and to represent their country, pride in their country, to play the sport and game that they love. Now it, you see so many of these inspiring stories coming out of the game of baseball in the world baseball classic, the Czech Republic team, so many great stories coming out of there. Guys with Team Israel, no Team Mexico. The story of Randy Rosarena, who got Mexican citizenship just so he could play in the WBC, <laughs> because after he defected from Cuba, ended up in Mexico, and everything. So you can look at and you ask these players how much it means to them. It means the world to them. No, it, it goes deeper than anything else because. No, like I mean, putting on a uniform in Major League Baseball every day, you're just playing for a city. You're playing for your paycheck. You're playing for the love of the game. But when you're in the World Baseball Classic, there's higher stakes. You're not just playing for yourself. You're playing for your mom, your dad, your grandma back home, your brothers and sisters, your friends. No, when you put on that uniform, you're representing people that are close to you that you identify with. And no, for people like Keith Olbermann or, or some of those other, other people out there crying for this to be canceled because it's meaningless. It doesn't mean anything are really missing the point because this is just the baseball Olympics. It's the same thing. You ask any Olympian that goes to the Olympics every four years, they'll say the same things of what that means to them and everything, what it means to just go there and build up a program and everything. Yeah, so, you you watch Jose Quijada in the sixth inning last night strike out uh, Kyle Tucker when there were runner there was runners on first and third, and the amount of emotion that he showed celebrating that strikeout, and you tell me that that does not matter. Mm-hmm. You look even the guys at Team USA. I love that Mookie Betts, Mike Trout. I think is going to help a lot for the Team USA in the coming years seeing how happy he is and how much fun he's having playing in the WBC with team USA, that's going to go a long way. Uh, JT Ramuto saying, I can't imagine somebody wanting to stay in spring training and not come to this. Or even Lance Lynn celebrating mm -hmm. his pitching Trey Turner and what he said about his grand slam and how important he felt that that grand slam was. And it just drives me crazy that there are people out there not recognizing how important this is to these guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you think of Miami park down in Miami, that place is sold out throughout the rest of this thing. It, every seat's filled. There's no, 
if it doesn't matter to anybody, if they're meaningless, why are they having sellout crowds? Why are there? Why are they so loud? Why are normally reserved players from the U.S. showing emotion that they probably never do during the regular season? Like go back to Mike Trout. He's usually kind of a reserved guy, and nice professionally does his thing. To see him jumping up and down, celebrating out of a dugout after a grand slam, that's incredible. Guys like Nolan, who Nolan Arenado is a fiercely competitive guy, mm-hmm. and you can tell that he is taking this tournament very seriously. Yeah, I think back to the last one, the last WBC, head first slide into first base for Nolan Arenado in a meaningless game in March. Like it, it it means it means way more than so many people can comprehend, and it's sad because these are really fun games. Yeah. Like if you're not watching, you're missing best. out. Yeah, and this is baseball at its best. It's really funny that you bring up the the stadiums because it's both Miami Mar- at Marlins Park or Lone Depot or whatever it's called and Chase Field in Arizona. We see those stadiums during the regular season. Yeah, they nobody. are not that full. They are <laughs> dead quiet. And to see these stadiums absolutely packed with fans going bonkers over the baseball being played is not something we normally get to see Mm -hmm. and it's fun like it brings an energy into the game that the guys can thrive on off of on the field the fans that's watching at home and the fans there in the stadium it's just a crazy wild environment that showcases the game of baseball better than i think major league baseball does sometimes uh but it's a shame that it's only Every four years, hopefully. It's, it's uh, only three years till the next one. They decided to do the next one in 2026. Nice. It's because uh, yeah. I think they're trying to get another one in because of how messed up it all got with, with COVID yeah. and everything. Because yeah. we were supposed to play in 2021 because the last one was in 2017. But then things just fell apart due to the pandemic and lots of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if Team USA... If they manage to move on, win this thing, and win it again, what that will do for the team in the next couple of years, how even more stacked it could get, because it needs pitching, and you need some of those superstar pitch. You need some more pitching. Yeah, it was really sad because Clayton Kershaw wanted to play, but insurance and problems. The, the the insurance wouldn't cover him to go play for this, which is so sad. Weird, because I think it should be that everybody who wants to play in this should have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I'll do you one better is I think I saw this on Reddit and it, it sort of got spread around is that um, the suggestion that everyone who participates in the World Baseball Classic should be able to wear a patch on their jersey or a helmet decal of their home country that they played for. And I'll do you one better and say that I think that should be a regular thing in baseball in general is that all MLB players should be allowed to show a little representation for their home country on their on their jersey on their hat on their batting helmet they get to do it in the nfl uh recently and i think that would be great yeah but all in all i'm gonna be sad when this is over it's been a ton of fun but what a great way to just showcase the game of baseball on a world stage when people in the u.s we usually hear them poo-pooing on it oh it's boring and foosball it's all about I'm, them foosball, Bobby. Most fun I've had watching baseball in March in a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. But, so it's definitely worth it. 
even with the injuries. You ask those guys that get injured, if they ask him if it was worth it, they'll say, heck yes. Edwin Diaz already said it was worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. It's great for the game of baseball. But unfortunately, neither of us will ever be in the WBC, but that's okay. Yeah, maybe we'll get to cover it more in depth someday. <laughs> but that's going to do it here for this edition of Affected by Altitude. We appreciate you joining in with us this week, as always. Uh, Evan, where can the folks find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang 27. I would love to hear from you. You can also catch my work over on purplerow.com. I write the Thursday rock piles, except for this last week, where Skyler very kindly stepped in for me because there was no way I was getting that done in time. Uh, and you turned out a great article on that. You can also find this podcast, the official Affected by Altitude Twitter account, which is at Altitude Effect. And if you would be so kind as to go to the new Rocky Mountain Rooftop Twitter account, which is at Rocky Mountain Rooftop, that's spelled at R-O-C-K-Y-M-T-N-R-O-O-F-T-O-P. Give us a follow. That's where you will get all the updates about Rocky Mountain Rooftop stuff and any new shows and Affected by Altitude stuff that will be coming along. Yeah, we'll leave all those links and connections down in the description of the video and the podcast. So go check those out. Uh, And then for me, you can find me on Twitter at sideline underscore crowd. And then I write those Wednesday rock piles and filling in everything else. uh, Follow his Twitter for the memes. They're good memes. When I come up with them. (laughs) (laughs) It gets tough sometimes. But yeah, again, we we appreciate all you sticking with us. Exciting new horizons here uh, as part of the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Network, which is an affiliate of the Fans First Sports Network. So exciting stuff to come, and we look forward to to sharing it all with you in the coming days and weeks and months and whatever happens. Hopefully uh, years. Yes, when we're 45 years old. and like We'll, we'll make us older, 95. I was going to say, I'm not that far away from 45. <laughs> let's, 90, not get, let's not get crazy here. We're 95 years old, and the Rockies are on the cusp of making it to the postseason for the first time since 2018. That's uh, ow, that's, that's mean. That's, that's a sad dystopian future, <laughs> but no, it's possible. The, the, by the time I'm 95 years old, the Rockies will have won a World Series. I'm going to say that right now. Maybe. Anyways, we're going to close this thing out before we abruptly (laughs) end the show again on our recording. (laughs) So, Evan, as always, thank you for joining with me, and we'll see you all next time here on Affected by Altitude. Evan, hit him with it. Farewell. We finished the podcast without getting abruptly cut off by Zoom.